Thanks for joining us for another episode of Across the Board. Very happy to have been joined today by Hector Soler, who is the starter here at the New York Racing Association. Had a great talk with him. Heard a lot about his life in racing and and, then the job and the duties of a starter. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Across the Board with Hector Soler. It's great to have you in here, Hector. Probably one of your rare trips to the offices at Naira. You probably like to stay out in the racetrack more often than not. But uh, I want to talk to you first before we talk about your actual job as the starter. How did you get interested in racing? I mean, what was where did where where did you grow up? How did you get to the racetrack, and how did it sort of become a, a a big part of your life? Okay, thank you, Andy. I'm very glad to be here. Um, I appreciate it. Well, um, since a kid, you know, I grew up. I'm from the countryside in Puerto Rico, and uh, I always grew up around horses and animals, and I was always interested in horses. I was riding horses and and stuff, and uh, I was always in very, very interested in horses. So my um, dad and my grandfather, they used to follow racing in Puerto Rico, and I always was watching it on TV and uh, listening on, on the radio and stuff. And um, until one day, my father took me to the racetrack, and I was so, was so amazed with horses, with the coloring and stuff and the action. I quite didn't understand much, but it, you know, it was so interesting in that. And uh, every time we hear or see it on TV, we used to play racing. We get on our horses and start racing and doing crazy stuff. And uh, that was something that I always was doing when I, on my free time at home. And your, your your family moved the states. Um, how old were you when you came came to America? I was or the 11, states. I say you were in America, but they came to Philadelphia uh, when I was eleven years old, and um, you know I got into school in Philadelphia, and um, yeah, it was a tough moment. You know, it was, my mom was a single mother with four brothers. And I was the oldest, and I was always looking into uh, help out. Uh, we used to work uh, after school or in the summer with working papers and, and stuff, cutting grass and stuff. And uh, um, and yeah, that was my childhood. Always like taking the the lead part in the family and stuff. And um, it happened that. Uh, one day I have uh, we move, and it happened that in that block I had a, a guy that worked in Philadelphia racetrack, and uh, we became friends. And uh, now I'm talking about how I used to ride horses, and I that I love horses and stuff. And he said, "Well, listen, I work at the racetrack. Um, would you like to come uh, one afternoon we, when it, at feed time?" And at the time, we used to get like in the trunk to go through the st- through the gate <laughs> right. because I mean I was a minor, and then so yeah, that's how he got me in the racetrack. And uh, we was feeding uh, the uh, the horses one day, and I hear this uh, the bugler announcing the the parade and stuff. And uh, it happened that it was Joe Orsino's barn in Philadelphia Park, which was right by the six lungs and uh, he was right behind the, the track when I came outside I see the track right close to the barn and I climb up and I see the starting gate 
And I say, wow, I'm going to see the, a race, a live, uh, riding person. And I just hang in there by, by the rail into these horses start coming to the gate. Uh, I see uh, it was a full gate. And uh, I was very amazed. Um, these horses start loading into the gate. And uh, I hear the commotion, horses rearing up. And uh, that, that was it. I just fall even more in love with the game. I mean, I see all these blinkers <laughs> and colors and people yelling and so much action that I said I would love to be one of those guys. It's a pretty day. serendipitous moment that you would know somebody on your, meet someone on your block, go to the track, and end up by the gate. And that's sort of how you became enamored with the idea of working with the horses at the gate? Exactly, exactly. Uh, I wanted to work there, but at the time, I didn't even knew how to walk a horse. So I asked what you have to do to get in there with those guys. They said, well, you got to start from the bottom. You got to start walking horses uh understand how uh we work around these horses and stuff and i just became to be a walker uh for two summers in the road uh with working papers at the track and then uh like i say it was a financial situation we was walking we was going through with my three brothers and my mom at the time and uh, uh I was boxing in really? Philadelphia with Willie Torres uh, Boxing uh, Academy. But uh, my, when I was fighting, if I win a fight, maybe I just make like $400, and then I got to train for four, six months to get it. And that wasn't enough, you know? So I found out that by walking with horses, I was getting $125 a week by walking horses seven days, and at least that was something that mm -hmm. I was getting every week. And um, and I quit school. Uh, I got to 11th grade, and uh, I went to work as a hard worker then with Joe Orsino. Uh, I worked as a hard worker for about four years. Really? And then I became a, a groom, and I worked for uh, about 16 years with Joe Orsino. Really? Yeah. Wow. So you worked until the, till the this the 2000s with yeah, Joe? Yeah. We down uh, there or up here or both? Well, we we started at Philadelphia Park for about a year. Then we went to this Meadowland Mammoth and Garden State all year round for quite a while. And not until we went to uh, Mammoth and Stronach. I was going to say, you had some good horses for their Stronach stable, yeah. Yeah, Stronach started bringing all these horses that leftover of the Pat Byrne used to have right. and yeah. all these, these big trainers in, in California. Uh, horses with Perfect Stratum. Sting? Was Perfect Sting well, one per of them? Perfect Sting came then. Right. But at first we were getting all these horses with knee problem, ankle <laughs> problem, <laughs> and, and Orsino improved this horse, but he got a great bunch of guys. I mean, old timers that you didn't have to tell them, sweat this horse or poop bolters. They knew what, exactly what to do with these horses, and that's how I start. I learned, you know. Um, and uh, we start getting all these Ho average horses and 
Orsino started improving all these horses. So now it's getting Stronach attention, and now Stronach is bringing better horses into Orsino signed a contract. I bought it for five years with Stronach, and now Orsino is starting to get all these two-year-old, like Macho Uno, yeah, yeah, right. Perfecting, Golden Missile, Red Bullet, Blue Begonia, and you name it, Collect the Cash, which uh, they all great one, British Cup winners, yeah. and most of wow. them. And uh, Macho Uno, we was <laughs> doing very good. Actually, I was robbing three horses because uh, I was robbing four, and uh, Orsino liked the way I was robbing horses. So uh, Orsino owned like two horses, and he said, uh, "Listen, Heto, I'm gonna pay you for four horses, but I want you to just rob three because I just want your attention on these three horses." Uh, and I say, "Great." And uh, that's how also we became paying four for three when with Stronach. And it happened that Macho Uno came, and he came into my stall. Really? But I, I have all my horses that I love so much. I don't know nothing about this two-year-old. <laughs> so they move on to the next guy, and this guy wasn't doing a good job with him. And then they move it to a very gr good groom that actually he became Macho Uno groom, uh, Red Bullet. Uh, then the perfect thing came into my stall, which was a very nice yeah. baby. And uh, we was doing very good. I mean, we was winning grade one almost one or twice a week, going places, and that's how I became to travel so many times, like uh, not California, but... Um, Canada, Kentucky, and all these big places that I always wanted to to visit. And to me, it was great, you know, it was big. And every time, everywhere you go, Stronach or Sino, you get everybody's attention. They all was coming to see your horses, and it was great, great times, great times. And uh, then um, in... Uh, 2000, actually, uh, 2000 or, or in 99, uh, Frankie Delgado, he used to gallop for Joe Orsino, right. and he was a, a, a security officer at the, oh, okay. at the same time. And uh, he was always, uh, he liked the way I, I rob horses and I guess how I behave around and my height and everything. And he said, would you like to go to the, uh, to the starting gate? Man, that was it. I say, of course. And uh, he introduced me to Bob Duncan. And I remember uh, it was like a requirement to get in the starting gate. You had to be tall. You had to be young. You had to be kind of slim. And Bob Duncan looked at me up and down <laughs> and said, how old are you? And uh, how much you weight? And do you have family? Because they wanted responsible people with family that, you know, they, they wanted to to work and and and, and um, have a job that that they took serious to support their family and you know pe <laughs> people like that they they needed at the time and uh, yeah he told me come by next week next week and come by the starting gate so you can see I'll show you around at the time I was still robbing horses so what I was doing was. Um, Send my horses to the to the track, cool them off, 
And then when they was all set, I feed them and then I come to the starting gate, watch for about an hour and a half, and then I go back to the barn to do a mop. And I stay doing that for maybe two months until one day he, Bob Duncan, tell me, listen, a guy is hurt, one is sick, some guy on vacation, and I think we, we need you today. Can you come by? And I was ready. I think I was ready at 10 o'clock when post time was maybe at 1. <laughs> I was so excited. And that's everything started right there. And you've been working on the gate crew ever since then? Ever I mean, since. became full-time? Yeah, I've been working ever since at the starting gate. Uh, first, uh, you know, we have all these old-timers, I mean, great people, uh, the best people i ever been around. And, uh, but, like, they was old guys, and um, at the time, I think Ricky uh, was the second man at the time, and um, he, it happened that he went out sick or something, and they needed somebody to put the horses, the record, the morning record into the this big master book. And uh, Bob asked me, I said, yeah, I do it. And they showed me how to, they, they offered $20 a week to do it, and this old timer, they're not gonna do it for $20 a week. I mean, they top pay already. And like I wanted to learn, and I never say no to anything. And that's how I became very familiar with all these records. And those are the records that the whole country basically shares, right? Well, as far as horses' tendencies. No, well, these are records that only the horses on the ground. Okay. Uh, this master, we we know every horse that comes in the morning, galopow, backing out, or breezing. So we ride. This horse came out. He worked from the game company, this one gallop out, this one back out, and we keep this record on this notebook. Right. Then at the end of the day, we, we get this record from this notebook into the master book, and that was only our horses. Okay. Now and Nowadays, we have the encompass. Right. That way we get into the computer and we can see California, Maryland, anyone that have the encompass system, we can, uh, but back then was phone calls. Uh, called to California, you know anything about this horse that came from California or vice versa, they was calling and that's how we was keeping record of these horses. And um, well, I was, I show interest in, in doing this and I, at, at the time that I was doing that, I was learning how to be the, the second man and first man job at the time. And uh, I was covering for first and, and for second man's uh, every time if, uh, a second man was sick or whatever, they put me to do these this records. And that's how I learned very early in my career that to uh, what the job that the second man was doing and the first man at, as well. And, and, and I imagine working with Bob Duncan, and I mean, I would assume it's continued through stars that came through since Bob, um, Roy, um, of course, came after Bob, but running a pretty tight ship. Yes. As far as the people working in the gate. Yes. Well, uh, Bob Duncan is just a great guy. I mean, I appreciate everything pretty much. I learned from Bob Duncan, from Roy, from Reaching, from Bob, Mike McMullen, right. from every starter sure. I learned from. But Bob was the guy that pretty much teach me 
basically everything I know. Of course, I have improved and uh, things that I used to do one way, I try to improve it and stuff, but it's basically, it's just basic that Bob Doom can teach me. And I, um, he have a, a method of uh, natural horsemanship with uh, that a lot of people wasn't really happy with that system because back then everything was manhandled you know this horse fight me i fight him back and they was and they wasn't really reading the horses or they wasn't taking their time to to think uh <clears throat> horse nature and this something that bob duncan was really interested in and uh he showed he teach me how to do this natural horsemanship which made the schooling process so much each easier. You know, with this method, you get horses to follow you and to to come down, and uh, it's just great, you know, um, because you really need to learn how to read horses and understand their nature. You know, once you get that and you learn how to read a horse, uh, it make it so much easier because I mean the load and you know we were talking about this beforehand and we were talking about you know people's perceptions and watching it's really one of the only actual things that we do in the racetrack that people see it's front and center I mean they're watching you at the gate you're on TV loading the horses and it doesn't always go smoothly Sometimes it goes very smoothly, Correct. but not always. Correct. And it's it's hard, right? I mean, it's hard. Do you, do, you, do you worry at all about public perception, or are you just totally focused on doing your job and getting the horses in the gate and making it happen? Well, believe me, it's like 90-10. 90% of it is just focus on the horse and the right. job I have to do. But I also listen to critics and stuff, uh, which... Uh, some of them are not the greatest, <laughs> but, but uh, I can understand that, you know. Uh, just like most people don't understand what I do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's like the 90%. Um, actually, I try to do 100% right. my best with these horses. And along is not only the horses, you know, you have to work. Uh, you have to work with the trainer, with owners. You have to just do your best and, and treat everybody the same. And um, it's it just like teamwork. I mean, they bring you information. Trainers bring you information. You pick it up from there. Then you implement it into uh, the job. Uh, but really, um, other than that, I mean, I it's all about the crew. Right. You know. The crew is, is all you have out there. You cannot do it all by yourself, you know? And um, it, that, that's, yeah. How, how, what would you say the average, I mean, how, how many people are on the crew? Are there more, there are more different times of the year, right? Saratoga being the biggest crew, is that true? No, well, we have a 16-man crew, okay. including myself. So there are 15 regular guys. But then in the summer, you open the main track, you open the training track, you open Saratoga. So now you have to distribute all these guys. And 
to a point where we don't have enough guys. So that's why we have a small crew in Saratoga schooling all these horses while we're here on the main right. track and training track. And before we have also Aqueduct open at the But time. now it's not open. Now right. it's not open, right. but we did, we try to split the the crew the New York crew we split it in between these two tracks sure. like main track and training track and now we have some part time guys in Saratoga that they've been part time for over fifteen years or more than twenty years yeah and, and and as far as um dealing with the horses and with trainers do you sometimes have to go to trainers you know after races something with the horses acting and you have to talk to trainers is that a, is that a difficult part of the job ever having to go to a trainer and talking about their horse and maybe the horse acts up or you have an issue with the horse is that something that comes up i do that and it's very difficult for me <laughs> i mean i create this craziness like oh man should i go to this trainer he's in a bad move uh, I don't know what his response is going to be, but then when I go and talk to them, it turned out that they are willing to cooperate. They are like, for example, Billy Matt, and um, we have a horse that, oh my God, I just forgot his name. Uh, he brought to to Saratoga. It's a horse that he, they bought in, in, in Maryland. Oh, well, um, yeah. The, the Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. He, right. he came and he was, uh, he he reared up and and he was on the starting list, I believe, in Maryland, and he was on Ruli and Ruli horse, and uh, one morning Billy brought this horse and like no one tell Billy that this horse was very tough at the <laughs> gate, so he brought him to the gate and he said, listen, we have a race very soon for this horse and they just brought him to stand him back out well not until he came to the gate i find out that he just go in there and he throw a fit he tried to docking and uh go on try to go under the door he rears he shake his head i mean he was very tough very tough horse and now uh, we work with this horse and at the end he he kind of come down so i tell Billy's son, Rayleigh, Riley, yeah. to listen, I, we need to school her some more. So they brought on the next day. So the next day he was even tougher. So now I have to go and talk to Billy Mudd because he have a race for him in about four days. So I said, what am I going to tell Billy? I mean, this horse is an expensive horse. I mean, they love this horse and I never talked to Billy and a Hall of Famer, a big time <laughs> trainers, and I just have uh, maybe a year in, in in this job, and I'm on a learning process. So I got a little nervous to go to Billy, and when I got there to Billy, I mean, he was willing to talk to me. He pulled me private on the side, and he gave me a great attention. He, uh, I tell Billy, I don't know, uh, I think my recommendation is that you scratch this horse or don't enter this horse because it's too close to to uh, teach him how to behave in the gate. I mean, we don't have too much room. And uh, Billy say, well, uh, you know, I really like this race. I think he really gonna do good. I would don't like to scratch, but if your opinion is that I have to scratch him, then I go by what you have to do. 
And now I felt that he was putting that responsibility on me if I said, yeah, scratch him. And uh, I didn't want to do that. Right. So I say, listen, Billy, uh, I'll do my best. I'll handle the situation. I get my best guy in there. Just bring him to the gate at least three times more, please. And he did that. And Baby Yoda, we did a phenomenal job with this horse where I was handling this horse in the morning myself. And this horse at the end became such a gentleman. We, we, we mission accomplished with this horse. And, and the first day he ran, he just behaved so much. He ran great. And uh, that was the satisfaction, really the satisfaction of this job. You know, have trainers like Billy Matt. Uh, in this occasion was Billy Matt, but I'm sure if I would go to Tap Pleasure or any uh, Chad Brown as well, which I have talked to them over the phone, and they just uh, show so much interest and, and willing to, <clears throat> excuse me, to work with you. And uh, that's what made this job so much easier. And, and I mean, this is what I really, really like about it, you know, when people cooperate. And, and Baby Yoda turned to be one of the stars of Cerro Amid. He ran, like, the fastest race the entire yeah, summer when he great. won his next start. And it's I'm sure it's, it's probably great. I mean, I, and I think you'll probably find the trainers. It may, it's frustrating, but you're, you're trying to make it better. Exactly. And, and, exactly. and that's I think that's the end game for everybody is to, to make it better. And, you know, at the start of races, Obviously, I would assume that, you know, you, you're always just hoping that you get a perfect start and you feel good about it. Something happens, you know, unforeseen at a start. How badly does it affect you and how quickly are you able to shake it off when, you know, a horse gets left, it's bad timing, or stumbles badly? Do you, is it something that bothers you or do you find it's such a big part of your job that you find you're getting better at getting over it? Well, it's, it's part of the job, but, uh, but still bothers me. I mean... It bothers me for most of the uh, all day long um, because uh, I try to do a hundred percent. My guys do a hundred percent, but they are you, the horses are so unpredictable that uh, thing goes wrong, you know. And when a horse tumble from the gate, or it happened that the horse rear up and they have to scratch them at the gate, uh, that, that really bothers me. It really bothers me. Uh, where it get me out of control, but I understand um, I have a next race that I have to leave that behind, and I take the next race as brand new, as nothing happened, and then after that race goes off, I come back to the to the last race where to the problem, and we have to I get everybody together, and make a meeting about to. Uh, Next time, do it this way. Next time, try to do it better. Next time, just loud, let yell louder or communicate better. Or we constantly doing meetings to improve what if we made a mistake, we just try to make it better the next day. But uh, yeah, it, it bothers me. No doubt, it bothers me. Do, do you have a, what about a rapport with the riders? As far as do you, do you find you have a good rapport with the riders talking to them so they understand? how they can communicate with you guys in case there's any problems in the gate? Of course, of course. I mean, uh, we have a, a bunch of great riders and so respectful. And uh, it, they, it made me feel so good because they know that I'm starting as a starter. I only have a year. 
But I've been starting races for many years, covering for the starter or whatever. But um, knowing that I'm a new guy in, in the bottom, they still respect me like if I've been there for 20, 30 years and, and uh, I'm pretty much older than all of them, most of them, and they just give me that respect. And they communicate very well and if something happened that we make a mistake, we always talk to them and they are willing to work with us. I mean, I never have any problem with any of the Jackies. It's just a mutual respect that we have going on there. Do you go back and watch replays, specifically head-on replays of starts to see if, you know, if something goes wrong, you see if there's something happened? I mean, I imagine a lot of it is just bad luck. I mean, or not, or, you know, it's just the random things of horse racing, right? Horses acting up and things. Do you watch the, the videos of those to try to figure out if anything you can control? Well, I, I'm pretty sure if you ask uh, Braulio or Brooke, they, they're going <laughs> to tell you, please, Hector, again. Because I'm, I'm constantly... When, Our when there is a stumble or a horse come out slow or, or a horse um, uh, dive or do whatever at the start, uh, if I don't have time that day, uh, the next day I call Braulio or Brooke, listen, can we go and watch this movie? And that constantly. And then we put it in fragments in very, very slow motion to see if the, the guy that was handling the horse wasn't uh, on the great position or he could do better or what he could do to for next time to improve or if it was our fault, the horse fault, the jockey fault, or it was something, something that, you know, no one could help at the time, something that happened. Acts of God. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm Thousand pound horses uh, acting crazy. Exactly. I'm constantly on, uh, on replays, uh, <laughs> watching replays. What is your, what is your, your average day, your work day like? When you, when do you start? What do you, you, you work in the mornings with the horses, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, through the afternoon, do you, what time do you usually get to the track? Well, we start schooling. Uh, we school from Wednesday through Sundays from 6.45 to 9.45. I'm usually there around 6, quarter after 6, um, and to, to start the day. And um, most of the time, I'm right there on the track with the guys. Uh, but I have a, a great foreman, a great bunch of guys. That sometimes I just park in my truck in front of the gate, and sometimes I can spend all morning in the in, in the truck because I mean there is no action, nothing is going on. And um, to me, it's a great thing with every every horse behave and the guy do a great job in the morning, and we have no incident. But it, at the same time, it's so boring. You yeah. know, because I really want to work with horses problem. And uh, what the fun of working with uh, problem horses is that at the end you see result. And that is the uh, the rewarding. Like Baby Yoda. Exactly, exactly like Baby Yoda and so many um, others. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for people, I'm sure many of our listeners go to Saratoga. The gate crew is there. If you want to tell them how they how they did a bad job at the start, I'm sure you'll be intimidated by them. But they're all great guys, and they all hang out a lot of times between races. You see them by the clubhouse entrance, mm -hmm. right? They'll and I mean, I always see the guys and stuff, and they're always there. So you know, people come by and say hi, and they're actually really good guys and talk to them. I think I think I think it would be nice if people got an opportunity to sometimes talk to the guys at the gate and ask them questions. I think they'd be surprised how much they know. 
yeah, and course. what they could learn from them. Yeah, of course. Like uh, we love Saratoga so much because we are in, in some time we are the center of attraction. Uh, Belmont, no one gets to you because we are on the backside, or here, not many people come and we are on the backside. But in Saratoga, we are with the people. And uh, every time we have, even in the backside, you have people that come and, and try to ask you questions about the starting gay. And uh, what amazes me sometimes is that I have someone from the public and they treat you as you are a celebrity. You know, you're a starting gay guy, and they start asking all these questions. They they want to take pictures with you, and uh, actually, the Saratoga people. I mean, it's not only Saratoga. You have people from all everywhere, over, right? Sure. But it's so nice, you know, different personalities and such a great people. And uh, what I like the most is when we have uh, frontside races that we stand right by the clubhouse, and you have people walking back and forth and uh, you see so many people actually many beautiful ladies and, and uh, people from all over it's just great and they come to you they ask you questions they want to take pictures with you and uh, it's great it's like you are a movie star or something that's how they make you feel you right. know Sarah they give so much attention Sarah has a way of confusing people sometimes into thinking that everybody loves us <laughs> <laughs> It's great. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I don't know if it's that because the guys wear the, a vest and uh, all this equipment on, and, and we might look intimidating for some people that they don't want to approach us, or sometimes I just have my my face uh, complexion are like I'm mad all the time and some people <laughs> doesn't want to approach me but I'm very open I like when people ask me questions I like I love to educate people about the starting gay uh, you know I'm very easygoing guy and I'm and my guys as well you know it's that uh, we go through so much pressure uh, during the day planning how we're gonna handle the next raid uh, like for example the next raid we have two horses that are head and tail and they are two, they are one of the toughest horses on the ground and we are constantly planning or um, on the race before we went through a situation and, and we are frustrated. And But I mean, that is something that we go through every day and, and stuff. But um, I mean, people can approach us. I mean, we are actually, we are happy uh, when people come in and ask us questions. Good. I hope more people do it. Of I, I think it's great. I mean, that's one of the nice things about Cerrado. It's true. Also, you know, people get a chance to ever see everybody that works at the racetrack. You mm. know, trainers, jockeys, they can, you know, the, the, the people, the public see the jockeys and, and see the trainers. And it, it's a great way to introduce people to racing. And, and all the participants in racing are out there in the public. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, when, I want, you know, people out there, uh, the public and stuff, to, to never feel intimidated or. or you know, to always, they have to ask a question and approach us. We are very happy to uh, talk to people and, and tell, tell them about our, our job. But most of the people, the fans, they might go there every day and they see the horses from, breaking from the gate, but they have no idea what it takes uh, to get these horses to behave. Or uh, Some people get so amazed that uh, I tell them, well, I have horses that have never seen a gate ever. 
and we teach them step by step. And now you see them breaking from the gate, acting like professional, but uh, they were they were uh, horses that, I mean, so shy, and you, you try to get near them, they jump, and, and some of them try to kick you, and uh, uh, we worked with these horses in the morning, and, and now he's acting like, like a champion, like, and uh, that's all it took to, to make this horse behave this way, you know, and people, when you talk about that, uh, people get so amazed by it, you know, and they appreciate more the the sport, you know. No question about it. I mean, I think all of us, every, every bit that we learn about the game from different aspects, it helps our appreciation. Lady Eli was a famous horse. She was pretty famously badly behaved. Did she ever give you guys a lot of problems at the gate? Lady Eli... Nah, she never gave us a big problem at the gate, but she was a horse that needed, needed attention, constant maintenance at the gate. She, her personality was just tough, you know? And, uh, but yeah, no, she never gave us like a big time problem. Because Chad Brown told me she tried to kill the blacksmith the first time they tried to shoe her. Yeah, he oh. said she had him pinned back. He said, I, <laughs> he said it was, he had the cone in front of her stall, yeah, right? Well, she, she was a tough horse, but yeah. you know, she needed maintenance, constant maintenance, because some horses uh, temper, it just, they never change it. It's a very constant, steady, uh, that you have to learn how to work around it. Uh, some horses you cannot make better but you learn how to work around it, and that's the key. And Lady Eli was uh, pretty tough. She was a handle in the game. She wasn't that crazy, but she needed to be handled at the starting. And, and every year, you've got hundreds of new two-year-olds coming in that you have to teach and deal with. Mm. And that must be, I mean, I'm sure that's a big challenge, especially in Saratoga. Big fields, two-year-olds, loading them, getting them ready. Yeah, that, that's a challenge, but the, that's a challenge that, that I'm looking for. I mean, that I love, you know? And then, uh, because really, our job, we do our best, and, and uh, we make it look so easy. But, you do. Um, uh, sometimes. <laughs> right, right. You know, right, yes. Sometimes you look off. We all look. Listen, it's horse racing. If you don't look bad a certain amount of the time, you're probably not doing your job. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, the most interesting part of the job is working with this two-year-old. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, and sometimes you get this baby that look to kick you, look to bite you, and you put a chunk on him. He's rearing up and start striking at you and like i said i mean this is this is challenge challenges and i love challenges that were really get interested interesting because then at the end you see results you know who are there any two-year-olds that you can remember that you saw in the beginning you thought i don't know if the source is ever going to get there or where you know it was and, and the horse ended up being really good that kind of surprised you well we have a feeling not long ago, uh, Honey Money. Yeah, she's running here. This was a filly that when it used to, we were with this filly for quite a while. But at the time I was working at Aqueduct, and I keep hearing, oh, this Linda Rice's horse, uh, she just lean, and she starts squealing, she, she goes down on the ground, and uh, she just so difficult. 
and uh, it caught my attention. Then uh, they closed Aqueduct, and I started going to, uh, to Belmont, and I decided to work with this filly myself. Um, and yes, she used to bite, she used to lay down, she used to lean, and she was acting like she was in season all the time. And uh, we used to put some quarter pads on her and we work around her. And she was a very tough challenge. Uh, so baby, uh, this, this Philly honey money, I remember, <laughs> that was very tough. Now she goes in there, she just stand there. Uh, you can leave her alone in the gate. And uh, that is the rewarding. Uh, must be satisfying. Oh, be She's fine. running today, I think. The we're taping this. Yeah, Nick, she's right she this afternoon. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Like about two she weeks won. Ago, yeah. She won. Yeah. 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 So it must be great when she goes out and she. Oh, yes. yes. Do, do, you, do you like looking at two year olds ever and trying to pick out ones you think might be good ones? Or is that sort of not really, you know, see a horse early and think, I wonder if that horse is going to be good or something? Or Well, I tell you the truth that most of the people think that I know and look at, oh, this horse is going to be good. But. I try to focus on, to me, the most important is to work with the horses and get them where I want them right. to be, and then the trainer take care of the rest. And if he became good, then uh, feel proud. And sure. But I don't really, you ask me uh, who, which horse win the, like the, the Pimlico Special, the Triple Crown, or the Travers, this year, I cannot really right. tell you because I'm so focused on, on the job, really. What about the big days? The big do, days. Are they, they, do you get extra excited, like a day like Travers Day or Belmont Day? Are they extra it's exciting? It's always exciting. Yeah. I mean, I try to come down, and I try not to show it, and uh, but uh, it's, it's big time excited. Just like when I was a regular uh, or a first man at the time that I have Mike McMullen uh, as, a, as a starter, and I was the person that handled um, Justify at the Triple Crown. I also handled uh, Rock Hard 10, which gave us a, a little bit of a problem. And so many champions, curling, uh, Rachel Alexandra used to handle, you know, like I was the man for those horses. And um, we had uh, Justify, you know that he win the two leg of the triple crown, and then he came. I actually was the first man, and I uh, I was the guy that assigned horses to the guys. I tell them okay. who's gonna handle who, and I have justified assigned to the guy under me. So uh, I go to Mike McMullen and I ask him, Mike, you wanna take a look at this? This is the order. This is who I assigned to all these horses, and. Um, he asked me uh, who you have on Justify. I said, well, I have Justify on Danny's, which was, is the second man. He, he's my right hand now. He said, well, you know, um, I think this horse deserves the best of the best, and I want you to handle this horse. So I had to switch my name into this horse. You know, I didn't, I didn't assign my name on this horse. But, yeah, he wanted me to handle this horse, which was... Yeah, I feel great. I mean, he counted on me, and he expressed himself as I was his best guy. And uh, uh, you have uh, Money Mike, uh, Justify's a big horse, so 
you're dealing with the best, so you should be with the best, and you're going to handle this horse. And sure enough, I handled Justify, and, and, and he win the Triple Crown, and I make history, and I'm very proud of that. Just like you should be. Just like Mike McMullen handled uh, American Pharoah when he won the Triple yeah. Crown, and, and Roy was the, yeah. the starter at the time. So Mike handled the Triple Crown, horse and like two years later i handled another triple crown winner and uh so so not that long ago you went to the track in puerto rico with your father and grandfather and saw the horse for the first time and then <clears throat> what about 35 years later you were handling a horse to won the triple crown yeah it was uh, pretty it, great it was a great thing <laughs> uh never thought that i was gonna get I, that was my dream and uh, that is a confirmation of, I mean, you dream of something and you keep consistent and that's what you want. I mean, no doubt you will make that. I mean, of course, uh, you need to, if nothing happens to you and if you're healthy, but I mean, to me, it was a dream came true and I think I was on the right path. I think I got connected with just the right people. And uh, here I am. I never thought about being a starter. You know, well, we're lucky I, to have I, you as a starter. And I'm so glad to, to be here, and I'm so pleased with these people that consider me uh, capable of uh, handling, you know, with what it takes to handle the, the position. And I'm so glad. I'm it's, pretty it's happy. It's one of the most important jobs in racing. I mean, truly, you know. And I think, you know, at times... <clears throat> People won't know if you're doing your job well. People won't notice you when you're doing your job. If your job is not going well, whether it's you or other things, that's when people notice you. And it's hard to have a job that the better you do, the less you're noticed. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, like I say, uh, I'm just as good as the last start, <laughs> you know. Uh, but um, I'll for sure we'll try to do it better the next time. We learn from mistaken. Like I said, we make me we talk we make meeting and try to improve and and do and make sure we do it better the next time. But um, uh, like I say, I have a great people behind me. And okay, I just press the button and I, I make it look pretty at the start. Every everyone even and 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 all these horses behave. But it really those guys that I'm depending on. You know, those are the guys that make me look good. That make if people think I'm a good starter. Those are the guys that make me make the people say that I'm the good starter. You know, they are the backbone of it. Of course, I I direct them and 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 stuff, but they are the one that doing the job. You know, they are like they are the one that getting the broken bones and right. they getting kicks and they they struggling every day. And uh, of course, I was one of them at a time, and I know what it takes. But uh, without these guys, well, maybe I don't know if I would be here right now. And I, I continue to encourage this guy, and so uh, I can be, I can last longer in this job with something that I really love. Well, without them and without you, <clears throat> we wouldn't have jobs either, because without a competent gate crew, there's no racing. And oh. and I. I I can't say enough about the Naira Gay crew, and it pains me when 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 people are critical. And and listen, there are times where we all deserve some criticism and things. Mm -hmm. But I think um, it's hard for people. It's frustrating if people don't recognize what's going into it, and you're always trying to do the absolute best you can. Yeah, and I appreciate uh, 
your point of view, uh, how you think, what you think about us and stuff like that. I really do appreciate it. And um, But they are also constructive uh, crit critics, you know, that you can learn from and they can make you so much better. And um, it's okay. I think people, uh, people critics and, and I think it's okay that what they do, they make you better. They're passionate about racing. That's the yeah, thing about racing. Are. Racing, we're all passionate about mm -hmm. it, and so are the fans. And so you, it's easier to understand why people get upset or something because they they care and they mm -hmm. love the game the same way we do. Yeah, who want to lose? I mean, they bet and yeah. they they lost because they hold free it up at the gate. They they, they have the right to yeah. uh, to express themselves. And that's the beauty of of, the so, of social media. They of can course. all attack us anytime they yeah, want. Yeah, they attack. They attack <laughs> us. So they can talk so not many nice stuff about us. I mean, it's half and half, fifty-fifty. But it's great. I think people really, in general, do appreciate them. And even you know, listen, we all you know. I think I think I, I do believe people understand, and they're getting to understand more. And, and I hope that people are listening. If you've never stopped by and talked to the gate crew, especially in Saratoga, stop by and say hi and sure. ask them questions. Do you have any? Sure. Um, because it's a, it's a great learning experience for all of us. The more we learn about the game, and the better it makes us as a fan, but also for me as a handicapper, for everybody, Every the more you learn. One last question before you go. W besides your job, what is the something about racing that you love? Besides your act, because you're so consumed all day with your job. Is there anything else about racing that you just love? Um, now they put you on the spot. Well, listen, anything that have to do with horses, I love. It's like uh, before I used to fly horses. I used to work with a company, Mersan. I used to go to Japan, France, anywhere. So I did that for 18 years. I was also driving horses for Sally Horse Van. Really? When I used to take vacation from here and spend 20 days out there over the road with nonstop to Kentucky anywhere with I did that for about 19 years with Sally Horse Vans as well and I was always so busy uh, anything they have to do with horses but other um yeah pretty much right uh but now I cannot do none of them you know I just have to do this job because you know the conflict of interest stuff but uh, right. I'm okay with that uh, what I do away from horses, uh, I love to ride motorcycle. I like to just be with my family, and that's how I spend my my days and stuff. But um, other other than doing the starting gate job, uh, I just love the starting gate job. That's all. Right. all that's all I I do. Racing's full of people that love their jobs. It's one of the nice things about working in racing. Um, thanks so much, Hector. Really enjoyed it. My pleasure. And I, I and enjoyed I, this conversation, and, and actually, I'm so glad to meet you in person as well. And, and, and me, you. Uh, you've, been, you've been very a gentleman with me, and um, this is a great experience. Well, good. We, we loved having you, and I'm sure everybody enjoyed listening, and so thanks a lot, and uh, hope everything goes okay today. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for listening to Across the Board. I hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to hopefully bringing you some more episodes soon. Uh, you can <clears throat> listen to us on iTunes, Google Play Store, and SoundCloud, so please uh, feel free to rate us and listen, and hope you enjoyed it. And until next time. <laughs>